What's up, everybody? Pete Kennedy here from Subway Sports Talk. Before we got into the episode today, I just wanted to touch base on two specific things. First and foremost, this is a baseball vibe check. We're talking Mets. We're talking Yankees with Andrew Kalanya. We're going to check in on everything from projected lineups, rotations, bullpen depth, offseason, expectations, the whole nine vibe check with Andrew Kalanya. But just to note, when we do get to Kodai Senga in the Mets section of the podcast, which is section two, we were not aware yet of the announcement on the injury. So when you hear us talk about how excited we are to watch Kodai Senga pitch, that remains true. It might just be a little bit later in the season as we find out more about his arm injury. So yes, when we talked about Senga, we did not know yet about the injury announcement from David Stearns. So just remember that as we get through it. But Yankees vibe check, Mets vibe check, right coming up here with Andrew Kalanya. But before we get into it, just got to shout out my man, Bojan Bogdanovic. He really had a little bit of a coming out party here for the New York Knicks last night against the Philadelphia 76ers. 24 points, I'm sorry, 22 points, six of six from three. And you really saw that dynamicism that he brings to this offense, the quick trigger, the catch and shoot, can do a little bit off the dribble. You're going to see more and more of it as he gets more comfortable. I knew he was due for some good shooting numbers. He's not going to shoot 27%, people. That was what he was shooting from three, his first couple games. Well, boom, he just made up for it. Six for six, 22 points, and that quick trigger is going to be a game changer for this offense as they approach the playoffs. I look forward to seeing him with this team at full strength and cannot wait to keep watching this Knicks team grow. Obviously, good performances out of Brunson, Hart, DiVincenzo and Precious Achua deserves a special shout out with Hartenstein kind of on a minutes restriction there just coming off the injury. But man, was it good to see a guy like Bojan Bogdanovic let it rip and nail three after three after three. What a blessing to have a guy who can shoot like that on our team. All right, Mets vibe check, Yankees vibe check coming up on Subway Sports Talk. We'll be back next week with more stuff, but stay tuned right now for some baseball talk with Andrew Kalania. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome back with Andrew Kalanya. I'm Pete Kennedy. It's time for our first designated hitter segment of the season. Spring training is kicked off. The teams are down south. The pitchers are pitching. The hitters are hitting. The Yankees or Mets are almost back in season. And of course, Andrew Kalanya had to join us to give some thoughts and a vibe check for our Mets and our Yankees. Andrew Kalanya, how you been, my brother? Doing all right. Doing all right. No, the, the vibe check I'm really looking for today is um, how are you feeling about the Rangers heading into the deadline? You know, they they really need a, a third line center. And maybe uh, someone on the wing that could possibly score in the lower line. Really looking to get your uh, opinion on that. I think they really got to sure up those lines and uh, <laughs> continue to just put the puck in the zone. You know what I mean? If they if they keep putting pressure on the net and then make sure that they get back on, on the defensive side, then that could allow them to have more chances to score and less chances to give up goals. I really think that that's the ticket, Drew. Uh, you know, uh, Shesterkin and Quick... They've been playing goalie so far for the Rangers this year, and they gotta, they gotta keep doing that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love. <laughs> I, 
That'd be like that'd be me like three months ago trying to talk about basketball with me or like or like a couple of years back if we ever tried to talk about basketball before I started getting back into it I gave the most generalized bland sports takes on uh, on basketball yeah they gotta go they gotta defend and put the ball in the hoop and good things will happen you know yeah, stuff like that get the get that puck in the mixer you know what I'm saying get it yeah, up, yeah. get it up there. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Brunson and Randall got to keep doing doing good stuff, and then yeah, maybe they'll and- do better. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But for real, well, the Ra- the Rangers are doing the Rangers are doing just fine, and uh, you know they struggled a little bit, maybe for like a like a month, month and a half. They were they really struggled, especially on the offensive side. But I mean, like aside from that, they they've legitimately been the best team in the NHL for most of the season. So it's very exciting to go into the deadline thinking that, you know, you just need to get a top, you know, a piece to, you know, kind of put yourself over the top and then you kind of just, just go for it and just, you know, hopes are sky high, sky high for the Rangers. So really excited yeah. about that. And, you know, if Igor can continue to play a little bit better, you know, he's been struggling a little bit and, you know, quick has actually been the better goalie out of the two of them for, you know, most of the season. So if Igor can get it going, get hot going into the playoffs, like the, the team there, there's the, you know, reaching the Stanley cup is a, uh, is a realistic expectation for this team. So very exciting. Yeah. And I know, I know the Knicks and the Rangers being good at the same time, like uh, kind of 94, wild. 94. Let's go back, yeah. bring it back. <laughs> it's been yeah, a man. long time. And uh, for anyone who's newer to the podcast and maybe who joined maybe during this football season and been getting in for the Knicks talk and they haven't heard Andrew Kalani on the podcast before. He's a regular, he's a designated hitter for this very fine podcast. And uh, his MO Andrew's MO is to kind of go off the cuff and bring something out of left field or out of uh, center ice. No, that doesn't really work <laughs> off the bench. Uh, I'm trying to think of a hockey terminology. It doesn't work, but usually you bring something out of left field in mm-hmm. for that intro it could be video game related movie related tv pop culture hockey makes a frequent occurrence in this particular case i wanted you to get the hockey off the chest before we said hello to you we let cody get his devil's take off the chest and i guess that means i have to have pat boyle on to talk about the icelanders because the islanders well, are playing some decent hockey as well well he's he'll just be really bitter about uh you know the game the oh, yeah. stadium series game the other day yeah it's on twitter it made me happy let me say this on the hockey front because obviously everyone knows i'm not a hockey guy i don't really know what's going Mm -hmm. on i did know that quick was playing better than sturkin for the season i got a coworker two big hockey guys i like to throw my two cents hey look the rangers won last night maybe they're making a comeback Mm -hmm. to to form here right and whatever i throw my two cents and i don't really know what i'm talking Mm -hmm. about but uh that stadium series weekend at metlife this past weekend it seemed to have some real juice and now obviously we're in the area uh i'm i knew a co- couple people at the game i'm sure you knew some people even if it was mm. tangential who made their way down to metlife for the game it felt like that brought some juice to the hockey world of the northeast there uh andrew is that true absolutely man that's 80 they had 80 80 000 plus people into the stadium to go watch hockey like wow and like yeah, yeah they sold out they sold out both games They've sold out Devils Flyers. Like, come on, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, now granted it was, that's good. Those are good games to have. I mean, oh, Rangers yeah. Islanders, Devils Flyers. The, all those fan bases can travel in. That that's fantastic. Exactly. And I got to be honest, I I went to the local uh, bodega by me here in Jersey City, and the owner was behind the counter, and he asked me on Saturday morning, you know, when when's that? When's the big game this weekend? There's a big game, right? The Rangers are playing. Mm. You're gonna watch, and I was like, first of all. 
this guy pulling out the Rangers as the big game this weekend is pretty impressive. And he, he was a big hockey guy. Didn't expect it. Didn't see it coming. And he took me for a, for a sports man. I guess I had my Knicks hat on or something like that. And I was like, wow, we're calling it the big game. And that, that was kind of exciting to me. You know, I actually turned it on and watched for a little while though. Drew, as I'm pretty sure I mentioned to you in text message, I turned it off when the Rangers were down four two. So who's the real loser? Me yeah. and the Islanders and Pat Boyle. <laughs> like 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 I said, man, a two goal lead in hockey is the equivalent of a ten point lead in in the modern day NBA basketball. So like you don't turn it off when it's a two goal game. So know that for next time. And uh, you know, I've I've been to a couple of the stadium series. I went to the one in Yankee Stadium, and then I went to the uh, the one in City Field. Both uh, absolutely, the atmosphere is ridiculous. Like, and uh, you know, hockey's meant to be play outdoors, but it's so it's so cold to be mm. sitting out there in twenty degree weather. I, I think um, when when we went to City Field, it was like four degrees with the wind <sighs> chill. It was like minus three or something like that. It was it was my the Lord. coldest I've ever been in my life. And the Rangers won in overtime, and it was amazing. So I didn't wow. Care. So you know. It's uh, hockey's meant to be outside, but you know it's a nice to just do it once or you you can go to it once, once or twice. You don't have to go to it ever again, you know. But uh, <laughs> it's it's a nice it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. So there we go. We just did that hockey for real. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I look forward to keeping an eye on it. And you know what? I, I'm a little ashamed to say instead of watching the third period of Rangers Islanders, I watched the Marvels on Disney Plus, which you know it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was a very fine movie. <laughs> It was a fine I, movie. I never, I said this in the text, I've never been more disappointed in anyone in my entire life. <laughs> in my defense, I, I was I was hurting post-wedding on Saturday night. I was on Sunday, I was on the couch. I couldn't move. I needed something mm-hmm. a little little easy, easy watching. You know a, little, a little, a little Brie Larson to, to, you know, make, give you a little comfort, you know, never hurt nobody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It never hurt nobody, but all right, let's talk some baseball here. Andrew, uh, we got to talk about the Yankees. We got to talk about the Mets. We're going to do our vibe checks, but I like to always start these podcasts with this question. What do you think the big conversation in New York baseball is right now? Cause in years past, we've had it be the man, the Mets. We've had it be the Yankees. Right now, according to Andrew Kalanya, what is the big conversation in New York baseball? I mean, it's clearly Juan Soto, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the entire, the entire, you know, I have, um, I have group chats that are, you know, they like baseball, they don't love baseball, but every, you know, I got the, you know, before I sent it to you guys, I even sent, uh, I got the message of, hey, Soto's, Soto's batting right now. He's taking live batting practice from people who don't really watch baseball that often. So like. Clearly, Juan Soto coming in is the story and is going to continue to be the story. It probably, again, if Aaron Judge wasn't already on this team, this would probably be the best baseball player to play in New York in the last 20, you know, since Derek Jeter in his prime, basically. Like the like a top-tier best baseball player in, in the league playing on the Yankees. So it's uh, it's very exciting, not just for, not, you know, obviously for Yankees fans, for I think baseball fans in general to be able to see Judge and Soto potentially batting back to back for a full season, hopefully more. Um, you know, that's that's prime Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz. You know, you really kind of, you know, doesn't come all come along all that often. So very, very. Yeah, and, and the, the interesting thing about what's available for the Yankees here is that usually if it comes along, it doesn't stay along for that often mm-hmm. either. You think about like uh, 
you got in Atlanta, you had Acuna and Freddie Freeman, and then Freddie Freeman was gone. Now, yeah, Matt Olson's replacement was great, but like you don't normally get that for super long. And maybe Mookie Betts and Otani will be that in LA this year, but that Soto Judge combination is bar none. That is insane. And to anyone who follows us on social media at Subway Sports Talk, you may have saw the TikTok slash reel um, or YouTube, whatever it may be, this YouTube short talking about this very thing of Juan Soto taking batting practice, being a talking point in New York sports. And of course it's the all-star break in the NBA. The Rangers just getting back from the break. It is what it is. And people are hyped up. They're talking about it. And some people are getting upset and they're like, Oof. Oh my God, Soto's shot. He just struck out to Nestor Cortez three times. I'm like, are these people being serious? Now, some people definitely weren't being serious, but there no. were people who were being serious true. And that's, undeniable some people are being serious like oh my god did we make a big mistake like no shut up the main point of this whole thing here is that juan soto is an a-list superstar superstar okay you don't get this every day you don't get this in new york that often let alone just in baseball like in any sport like aaron Rodgers was about as big a name you could possibly get. That was enormous here in New York sports. Of course, it didn't he, go and, well. Yeah, but and also he's, he, you know, that's was Aaron Rodgers at, 39. at 30, 39. That's not Aaron right. Rodgers at, at 25 coming to the coming to the Jets. Like, they didn't, the Jets didn't trade for a generational talent that you could see that could be on the team for the next decade plus, you know? A hundred percent. And that's why, I'm, that's, why, that's why it's so exciting here. And as a Mets fan, I can sit here and say, Holy smokes. We got once I can watch Juan Soto on local television, local radio Ooh. every single day. What an amazing thing that is. And I hope Yankee fans are excited because I'm excited and I don't even care about how your team does because this guy is so freaking good at baseball, Andrew. So that's by far and away the best story. Let me just ask you the question that I must ask you your expectations slash nerves about Soto being in pinstripes here. I mean, um, you know, the one thing that I, you know, a lot of times with players that come to the Yankees, they get short porch happy. Um, they try to change their approach. You saw it with Mark Deshera. You saw it with Giambi. You saw it with a lot of other superstars that came in here. But Soto, you know, he said said it in his introductory press conference in the winter meetings, and he said it uh, in spring training as well that he's not going to change who he is. He's not going to change his approach. He's going to be the one seller that we know. And, you know, he might not be taking advantage of the short porch, but he's still going to be that high on base, high batting average, still going to hit 30, 30 to 40 home runs kind of guy that, you know, will absolutely anchor and carry you um, when you, especially when you need it the most. So um, there's very little worry when it comes to Juan Soto and i to be completely honest with you, the the Yankees offense since the first time I've been able to say that for a long time, where, you know, just the presence of Soto and some of the other additions that they made, um, it allows you to be able to dream a little bit more on, let's say, Anthony Rizzo's recover recovering from his concussion. You could say, okay, you know, if he if he's able to turn it around, that's you know, that's four good bats and if Stanton's able to just be a league average DH that's that's five solid bats in the lineup plus Verdugo um you know and then you can say hey um Volpe and Wells they could take big step forward too and those young guys you know and then you have you have a lineup that's seven eight deep so like it's it's uh it's very exciting that Juan Soto just one addition of him allows you to feel so much better about an offense that I felt terrible about in the last, you know, 
in three, four years because, you know, Stanton has clearly declined, and you, but you're not relying on him being the second best hitter in the lineup anymore. You're not relying on Rizzo being a key piece to the offense. You, those guys can be complementary pieces. Um, and as they should be, you know, those are, you know, the guys in the upper thirties right now and mid to upper thirties. So they're not, their time of anchoring the team is, uh, is no longer there. So they're in their proper space and you can adjust their expectations accordingly. So, um, makes me feel really good about the offense. The pitching's a little bit different, but, um, you know, but Juan Soto just, Changes the vibe so much on a, on a Yankee offense that desperately needed it, uh, especially last year. So right now, as of last year, there were eight players who qualified, qualifying players who had a 400 or higher on base percentage. Aaron Judge was not a qualifier. So if you count him, that would be nine, right? Mm-hmm. Two of them are on the Yankees lineup. Juan Soto was one of them. Aaron Judge was one of the other ones, even if he didn't qualify. But if he did, right? Mm. On the Yankees roster last year, Drew, I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do. Do you know how many players had an on-base percentage over 350? Uh, not including Judge? Not including Judge. Uh, none of them. Zero. Zero players. Glaber Torres was at 347. You had DJ Mayhew about 330. You had a little another 300, a couple 200s who were mainstays in the lineup who couldn't even get over 300 on on base percentage, which, which is just insane. And that aspect alone, like two of the best eyes in baseball are now in the Yankees lineup. So those other people, and this is my next question to you, with the Soto ad and what he can produce from an actual like slugging percentage and putting runs on the board and hitting home runs. He hit 30 something last year. Right. Mm-hmm. With that being said, some of the roles now of these other guys do become more important. Now you'd expect whoever bats second or third, the third batter would get those opportunities with the person in front of him on base, whatever, but the Rizzo's, the Torres is the stands, et cetera. They're on base opportunities or at bats runners on base opportunities are going to be exponentially higher this year mm-hmm. that has to be exciting but is it a little nerve-wracking still that none of those guys were consistent enough to take advantage of those opportunities last year it is it it is um to a certain extent but you know i i do believe in glaber torres i do believe in um you know rizzo if he's if he's healthy so you know the really only guy that i have my main concern with is john carlos stanton um and again he leaned down and we're doing the whole best shape of his life thing. I, I did all the, I, I wanted to lean down and become a more athletic and baseball player. That's all fine and dandy. And, you know, he hit a home run today and batting practice was getting just as meaningless as a, as a Soto strikeout. So um, he's, he's really the one guy that I'm the most worried about uh, when it comes to the offense. The other guys I, I feel pretty good about in those, in those situations. So. Um, again, Glaber Torres, uh, one of the best second baseman, offensive second baseman in baseball. Again, Rizzo, if he got over the concussion, he was he was an all star caliber first baseman when before you know the concussion happened, and unfortunately he played with a concussion for you know a month and a half, so you mm-hmm. know really dragged down the numbers there. But overall, I, you know, again, uh, Soto just allows you to to dream on those guys, and uh, it's, uh, it, it feels really good. And you got to look at this roster now and, and just see more completion, right? And the, the built-in protection around the lineup just makes way more sense than it did last year. It felt like after you got through Judge last year, you were home free. You made it. Mm-hmm. Whether he was on base or not, you made it. Now it's just not the same. And obviously there's 
marquee talent up and down. Verdugo hasn't been a special MLB player, but he has been a pretty consistent and solid MLB player. He'll be huge as well. Now on the pitching front, the Cy Young, the reigning AL Cy Young is a New York Yankee. That's Garrett Cole, of course. And now you got a few new names in the rotation and in the bullpen, but you got some returners who you're hoping to be healthy and at full force. So how are you feeling on the other side of the ball, Drew, with your uh, pitching and defense, if you will? Oh, well, let's just, actually hold on, hold on. Let's yeah. do pitching first because defense might be its own conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah, so pitch, pitching on the on the other hand, um, again, they're really only their big addition to the rotation was Stroman, and you know he's n- not really the ideal bill of health. You know he's been hurt the last couple of years, but he's only given you 130, 30 ish innings. So you know you can't really. And I'm not sure. And again, he's almost thirty three. So. Uh, are you really expecting him to be, you know, that solid number three, number four type of guy? You know, are you expecting a lot of innings out of him? I'm not. I'm not so sure. And you know, the one down part of the Soto trades, you traded a lot of pitching depth away. Um, that I don't think they fully, you know, replenished. So, you know, again, they they signed Stroman, they signed Luke Weaver, but after that, you know, if a guy or two goes down, you know, typically. Uh, rotation, you know, guys. Don't, you don't have, you don't go through a season with five starters anymore. But hell, like I think the the lowest amount of the starters a team used last year was eight. Any team in baseball wow. was like eight starters. Which so still like, you, sounds like impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's which is you know that's that's saying uh, two of your guys basically stayed healthy the whole year. So you know that's uh, that's tough to it's tough to uh, project on. It's tough to do so. The, the Yankees, you know, their one through five sounds pretty good, especially Rodon, um, especially the early reports come camp that uh, he's his velocity is back up. He's in better shape. He's in a better mindset. You know, he's ready to put last year. It's an absolute disaster of a first season behind him. And if he could be that number two guy, you feel a little bit better. But again, their depth is not exactly there. Um, and there's, you know, there's reasons why there's rumors of them possibly talking about Blake Snell or trying to get, maybe get him on a short-term deal or, you know, something like that. Uh, Judge alluded to it in uh, his press conference. They, I don't know how much I buy it, um, but uh, I think the, the Yankees have enough pitching to be able to, at least on the starting end, to be able to get you through the deadline and then reassess and add then, or maybe if they go out and do get Blake Snell, that pushes Clark Schmidt into the bullpen, into a long relief role with, and then you feel a lot better about you know your depth overall. So um, you know again they they have enough they have enough pitching for I think a half a season of baseball and the bullpen they always seem to cobble together um, a pretty good bullpen just guys just coming out of nowhere like expect Caleb Ferguson to have an ERA under three and uh, Victor Gonzalez and uh, any of the other guys that are uh, Victor Santos that they brought in on a non roster invitee expect him to have like just. Uh, get a crazy sweeper. Uh, Matt Blake seems to be able to teach it, and then him just go out and give the give the Yankees some dominant innings. So the bullpen, I'm not really so so worried about. It's really more the rotation. And again, if Rodon can bounce back, um, you know, I think that co- that'll go a long way into you know how uh, what they really need to do at the deadline and and what type of pitcher you think they need to get, um, you know, going into the postseason. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it was two years ago. The Yankees 
rotation was incredibly healthy through the all-star break, right? Yep. Was that, does that sound right? Yep. Two years ago when yeah. Nestor was just killing it and he was on like a Cy Young level pace and everyone's like, Oh my God, mm. the other shoe's going to drop. It didn't like fully drop that year, but it definitely dropped last year. And Nestor Cortez mm. is probably one of the main components of that. You know, he went from a near Cy Young candidate to a guy who was pushing five on his ERA last year in 2023. Is it time for a Nestor resurgence here? Resurgence here, Drew? Do you see Nestor coming with a bounce back season? Yeah, as long as he's healthy, I think I don't think he's been healthy for the last, you know, year and a half. So I think um, him being healthy is going to go a long way for Nestor. Again, he is. I think his career innings pitched is like one sixty something. So I don't know how. And again, he only pitched sixty three innings last year. So. You know, maybe you can pencil him for 130, 140, which would be great out of a number five starter, number four, number five. So um, as long as he's healthy, I, I don't have um, a lot of concerns of, you know, if the stuff is still there because he, he does it all off of deception. And, um, you know, as, as he's healthy and the velocity is there because when he wasn't when he wasn't healthy, his fastball was sitting like 88, 90. But when he was healthy, he was sitting like more 90, 92. So, you know, that, that difference between his fastball and his breaking stuff, you know, you kind of need, um, you need that separation to, for him to be effective. So, um, again, and again, him being the fifth starter versus him being looked at as a Cy Young candidate are very different yeah, things. And the expectation exactly. does matter in, in that regard. All right. On to the defense, which actually seems to be one of the more contentious arguments with this team right now, just based upon is Aaron Judge going to be playing a lot of center field? Is Stanton going to have to play some outfield himself? What are they going to do uh, to round out the infield? Is DJ Mayhew just going to play first base? Is, are they going to rotate the DH? There are some question marks for that uh, that side of the ball. Is that something that you are concerned about now, even with adding Verdugo, another outfielder? like Is Judge playing center and this defense in general worrying you? Um, a, a little bit. I feel like long term, you know, him playing center field a lot is, is going to wear him down. But thankfully, uh, in the Soto trade, they also got Trent Grisham, who was a gold glover caliber center fielder. I feel like there's going to be a lot of times where Judge will play seven innings in center field and then shift over to right. And then, um, you know, and Grisham will come into the game and play center or something, something like that. They'll get Soto out for defense uh in the in you know later in the game so um that, that i'm not too too worried about i'm more worried about third base and dj lemayhew again your backup first baseman if rizzo's not healthy is your starting third baseman and then behind right. him you have you know peraza who very much uh, you know i i'm still high on him but he's not uh, a proven commodity by by any stretch of the imagination um you know offensively Anyway, defensively, he's he's great, and you know he's a, he's a, probably a better shortstop than Volpe is. So you stick him at third base, and you can feel good about the defense there. But um, you know, if he has to play offensively there, it's kind of just a really big question mark there. And um, you know, something I was hoping they would address during the offseason, but clearly they felt more comfortable with uh, DJ being the starter. Maybe that's uh, something they can also change at the deadline because I feel a lot more comfortable if DJ was playing more of that utility role where you could play some second base, you could play some first base, play third base, but, um, you know, not really on a, on a regular basis as a starter in, in any one position. So, um, if, if but mostly if, handling the, the leadoff spot. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, at the end of last year, the second half, I think his on base percentage was like 
370 something, like 372 was his on base percentage the second half of the year when they brought in Sean Casey. So if he's if he's healthy and he's able to still get on base, I feel like him leading off um will probably be will probably happen. Um, you know, I think they'll probably put in Glaber Torres there as well. Maybe in Verdugo leadoff, depending on, you know, lefty righty matchups, that sort of thing. Um so but I would I would mostly think that DJ's gonna be your leadoff hitter, at least going into the season. But, you know, Volpe could very much be the if he, he takes that step forward, he could very much be that guy by the end of the season being your leadoff hitter, being more dynamic, speedy leadoff guy, your traditional, you know, your traditional leadoff guy rather than, um, you know, a slower DJ. So um, it's very much up in the air, but at least going into the season, uh, DJ will be your leadoff guy. Um, I feel you could feel pretty good about that, um, at least going into the season. Yeah, and I think I said DJ at first base. I meant I meant third base. Obviously, yeah. I was just thinking of him playing first last year with Rizzo well, being all played, banged up. Yeah, he played he played first base a lot last year. Yeah, a whole lot. So now that'll be a little bit more short up. And yeah, the judge thing in center, it worries me. The only thing that like makes it not so worrisome is that he's good at center field. Yeah, no, right? he's a, so he's very. It's good. not like you stuck him out there and he's bad at it. Like he's mm-hmm. good at it. You're just afraid of wear and tear. Uh, but Grisham, obviously, the glove is fantastic. He just you know, might not hit 200, mm-hmm. right? So that's the other trade-off with Grisham, similar to Bader last year for the Yankees, who was a great center fielder, but, you know, the hitting was just so inconsistent. It was hard to say, like, yeah, just pencil him in every day because he couldn't, right? So that mm-hmm. question mark will definitely come into play, especially if if uh, some injuries do start to take place, right? Like, mm-hmm. if Verdugo's out for a month, you know, what's, what's the deal? Is Grisham now starting every day? Like, I don't know yeah. if that's a good thing or not. Maybe it is. Maybe it does give Judge that requisite time in right field to relax a little bit more yeah. and play his more natural position. And you also, uh, yeah. also have to keep in mind uh, Jason Dominguez too. You know, he's still True. recovering from Tommy John surgery and, you know, if everyone's healthy, then that's a very, very uh, different crowded outfield type of situation. Jason Dominguez is healthy and you have Verdugo and you have Soto, you have Judge, you have Stanton, you have Grisham. It's like, so a few too many outfielders for, um, you know, for for one position so you might you might deal away your depth there but it really all you know really depends on Dominguez's health and maybe they you know I feel like they kind of rushed him up at the end of the season just to say hey you know we're out of it let's let's create some excitement so if maybe even after he comes back if he spends you know you know 30 30 40 games in triple a just to kind of get more you know his legs underneath him um I wouldn't be surprised by that either so yeah. you know so on the vibe scale, we're not going to do like over-unders and stuff yet. We're obviously going to do our big uh, MLB preview as we get closer to the season. This is more of just a vibe check. So I'm not going to ask you to pick over-under 93.5, which is their current number. If you want to throw out a, a lean, feel free. But on a 1-10 to 10 scale of a vibe check, where are vibes right now for the New York Yankees? The vibes are, the vibes are very, very high. Uh, again, Juan Soto brings up those vibes, you know, alone by himself. And, you know, you feel there's going to be so many pictures of judge and Soto uh, together in spring training. The vibes are just going to be great. So uh, you got to feel good about that as a, as a Yankees fan, as a baseball fan in general. So uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling confident, you know, cautiously optimistic going into the season. Again, I feel great about the offense, a little concerned about the pitching. So, um, you know, the vibe, if you, if you want to give me like a, like a number out of 10, like, give me like a, like an 8.5 out of, out of 10 uh, on the vibes. Vibe, so. Vibes are high. That's a high vibe check right there. You know, it can't get much higher than that. I was going to thought you were going to go seven, five and take the no. easy way out, but the no. vibes are high. I like to hear it. 
Very good stuff. All right, let's move on to the New York Mets and, and hit them up for a little bit here. Vibes are a little bit more interesting, perhaps, on the other side of New York or the other side of Florida, for now at least. But the New York Mets had an incredibly disappointing season last year. Just to give you the frame of reference, mentioned the Yankees over under at 93.5. The Mets are at 82.5. That just kind of gives you the, the prerequisite idea that the expectations are not as high. That doesn't mean that vibes are bad, necessarily, in New York, but... Drew, let's talk about the New York Mets. From an off-season acquisition standpoint, there wasn't a whole lot doing here for the New York Mets. Yes, Luis Severino came into the, into town here. Sean Manaya came into town here. Uh, Edwin Diaz is back in the fold here after his injury, looking like he should be able to pitch. Shintaro Fujinama is an exciting uh, reliever who got added in here. But there's not a marquee name. Obviously, there's not a soda. We know this, no. right? But there wasn't a marquee name on the offensive side, who is joining this team. Harrison Bader, if I didn't mention him yet, uh, will likely be playing a lot of outfield for them. So with the Mets, not as high of expectations as they had last year or the year prior, yet maybe there's still a path for them to be competitive. Drew, is that where we are with the New York Mets right now? A path to just competing and being in the mix and relevant enough to not be a disaster like they were last year. Is that what we're looking at? I definitely think so. I mean, the offense is still very good. Again, if if Starling Marte is healthy, um, you know, you still have a lineup of Nimmo, McNeil, Lindor, Alonzo, Marte. That's a great one through five. And plus, Francisco Alvarez giving you that power that you kind of really desperately need in that lineup. And who knows? You know, J.D. Martinez is still available as a, as a DH candidate. The Mets, you know, bringing him. That's a that's a very much an above average offense here um you know coming to the rotation it's uh a little less a little less uncertain um a little less certain you know you have Senga who is great and you know he got uh finished top three Cy Young but after that um you know you have a you have a bunch of number four type starters you know with some upside I feel like Shravanaya will open up some eyes for you know rotation wise you know, if Severino is ever healthy, which he's he's never healthy, um, he can pitch like an upper, you know, an upper tier starting pitcher for how, you know, if he's healthy. But uh, that's a very big if. So, you know, but a lot of thing, things could click right to the point where the Mets could be in that, you know, thec- second, third wild card situation. You know, I feel like that's their that's their ceiling. So, you know, the defense looks uh, much improved. With Bader out in center field, and you got Nimmo uh, out of center there now, playing in a better position for him for left field. So you improve the outfield defense. Um, again, if if things break right uh, on the rotation wise, uh, you know you could have, you know they could make they can make some noise. I, I wouldn't say they're any type of true contender. Um, and I like a lot of the a couple of the moves that they made in the bullpen: Jake Diekman, Jorge Lopez. I feel like you're going to surprise some people as well. Um, when you know, obviously, uh, Brooks Raley and they brought back out of, you know, Drew Smith. So, you know, that's a pretty, pretty deep, again, nobody's on the Edwin Diaz level in their bullpen, but you have a bunch of, a bunch of solid, uh, guys in the pen as well. So, you know, things could break right for the Mets. I feel like they could surprise some people again, not real true contenders, but, uh, in my opinion, an offense that could certainly carry them to, uh, you know, surprising levels this year. 
Yeah, and, and you know what? The the Edwin Diaz of it all for the New York Mets, if you talked about what Soto did for the vibe meter for the Yankees, Diaz can have at least a similar effect for the Mets on a vibe level. And obviously it's not going to shoot them up to maybe to an 8.5 like you put the Yankees vibes at. But if you think about last season and how it went for them, having Edwin Diaz be who he was just the year prior really felt like it could have made a large difference. Like that bullpen was absolutely so stretched thin. It was insane. Like watching the Mets, you just felt like you saw the same exact names getting thrown out there. You're like, oh, big spot. Adam Adovino is our best option. Yeah. Like this can't be yeah. that good, right? And he's not a bad pitcher, right? He's yeah. done some good things in his career, but it's like, oh my God. And I think having him back with all the depth that you mentioned already, that could change a huge aspect and have a swing that normally one player, you know, normally one player doesn't do that, right? Normally one yeah. player in baseball doesn't have that type of effect, but because of the displacement of assets that Edwin Diaz sized hole left, I think that that could be something to at least kind of make them more interesting to continue to compete in games. And again, that's what we come back to with the New York Mets. You know, I always say with the Mets and Mets fans, it's like, we get furiatingly optimistic when they look like they're going to be good and they underwhelm. And then you get at the years where they're kind of like, oh, they're, they're probably going to be 500. They might be okay, whatever. And then they have this surge of possibly overachieving. And I think that's going to be in the cards here again and not saying that they're going to you know, battle the Braves for the NL East. Like that's not going to happen, right? Yeah. But there's a path for this team being solid. There really, really is. And starting pitching aside because that's where the most question marks lie right now i do yeah. want to hammer this deep, this offense here for a second when you hear the names on, on this um on this lineup here do you feel like it's generic at this point do you feel like it's old news at this point or do you hear nimmo mcneil lindor alonzo Marte, alvarez and say huh that's actually like kind of a freaking exciting lineup where, where do you land on that exciting or like yeah yeah we've been here before it's not that great no, but the but the offense has been good. The again mm -hmm. outside of last year, they were they were top five in offense at least the last last few years. So again, you add a full season of Francisco Alvarez, who seemed to really do well. Um, you know, especially he surprised a lot of people for his defense. Um, you know, everyone kind of said, "Oh, he's going to be Gary Sanchez um, when he first came up." That just going to be hitting and and not doing anything. But he was surprisingly good behind the plate. So, um, and the Mets are looking to lock him up. Um, to a long-term deal at the moment. So I like Alvarez a lot. I feel like a full season of him in addition to Alonzo, Lindor, McNeil, Nemo, And if Marte is healthy, again, that those are all, again, those are names that have been around for uh, the core of this team for a little while. But, like, they're all good players. They're all very good players. And, um, you know, Alonzo in a contract year, uh, you know, projected to hit 40, 40 plus home runs and, and, uh, I think uh, Lindor, again, he's been, I think we said that in the group chat. Uh, he was like the top, top three in war for the past like five years in all of baseball. Like he's a, he's a very underrated guy um, to be batting ahead of Alonzo. Um, and I, I don't think Met fans show Lindor enough love. Uh, and I know, I know you're a big Lindor guy. So uh, I think you'll agree with me there. A hundred percent, dude. I mean, listen, you get a shortstop who's billed as an all-star and, and like, what do you get out of, out of Francisco Lindor? 
a, a guy who's a top five shortstop in the league. Like every year that he's mm-hmm. been here, maybe outside of his first year, like he's been really freaking good. Like he, he, you can't even, you can't pretend anymore, right? That first yeah. year he was incredibly average. He was so average at hurt. Actually, I'm looking at his stats right now. His OPS plus was 100. <laughs> so he was actually incredibly average. The past two years, it's a 120 plus on OPS plus. He's driving in a ton of runs. He's hitting some home runs. Last year, he had 31 home runs. I mean, what more can you ask for with another guy who plays great defense, who plays 160 games a year? How many guys play 160 games a year anymore, Drew? Not that many. If I had a guess, it's going to be maybe one or two guys per team. Juan He's Soto. one of those guys. Juan Soto, he played 162 last year. <laughs> that like, Which is incredible, yeah. right? And and Lindor played 160. He probably could have played 162. Mm-hmm. And like he shows up every day, plays great defense, good attitude, hits pretty damn well. And shortstops in the MLB, they're not that good of hitters. No. They're not. Like He's a top three shortstop in the MLB, so I don't know what the hell else Mets fans want. Maybe they just thought they were getting an MVP and they got a very, very good player instead. I don't, I don't know what else to say to Mets fans. No, and and you should be very happy, especially with look at what happened to the guys they dealt away. You know, what's our Med Rosario doing? You know, what's Andres Jimenez doing? I mean, Jimenez is like a nice player. He's not, uh, yeah, he's not a great player. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know. They they definitely won that trade, so I wouldn't yeah. uh, I wouldn't have sweat that uh, you know you know that acquisition. Call me call me crazy, but I love having him in my lineup every day. Absolutely, call me call me crazy. Like, and, you, you know, know what I'm saying? Like again, if you if you want to address the you know if they can address the DH position again, if they end up do bringing in JD Martinez, um, I think that really round rounds out the lineup really good. And you know you have Beatty and. Vientos uh, going in at third base and seeing what those guys have. And, um, you know, Harrison Bader is going to shore up the center field defense. And you still have, you know, Joey Wendell's a good bench player to have. Omar Nevarez is a, a good backup catcher. So they have some depth there on offensively and and defensively. Again, the real the real question mark with the Mets is the starting pitching, as same yeah. with the Yankees. So. Um, you know, they have some upside guys. And again, I feel like Manaya is going to surprise some people. And I feel like that's why they gave him a, a multi-year deal. So I feel like, you know, keep an eye on Sean Manaya. But, um, you know, if, if things things break right in the rotation, you know, and, and the Mets made the moves that they were supposed to make. They, you know, how much better do you feel? You know, you don't feel great about Luis Severino and, you know, Manaya and Quintana, but do you, would you feel much better with Max Scherzer knowing that he's not going to pitch until July? Would you feel, no. you know, Verlander yeah. at age 40, 43 pitching this year? Like, would you feel good about that going into the season if you would have held on to him? Like, you wouldn't. So, the yeah. Mets made yeah, they full they full sent last year and they yeah. fell on their face. That's yeah. you can't you can't say it any other way. They full no. sent and fell on their face, and that happens sometimes. And it happened to them at the worst time because it felt like all their chips were in the basket. Mm. But they moved those chips properly, right? Yeah. They got off Scherzer, they got off Verlander, they didn't hold on to the hope of making a late season push with those two guys. Granted, they weren't mm. really pitching that much and or pitching well for that mm. matter. But you know th- now their chips are a little bit more spread out. There's a little more opportunity to to make some of those strides and. They still got some of these young guys who it really only takes one. And if we're calling Alvarez a hit already, which, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we won't do that completely yet, but he looks like he's a real deal catcher. You got Beatty, you got Vientos. 
one of those guys becomes an everyday starter who you can kind of trust the bottom of a lineup, mm-hmm. it makes a whole leap of difference. Do you think either of those guys, Beatty or Vientos, can actually prove themselves to be an everyday guy? I think I think ba- I think Beatty very much well. I think you know again they. Buck kind of put him in a in a no win situation last year. They kind of really just threw him out there to the Wolves, and you know maybe he wasn't you know exactly ready for it. And there was a lot of pressure on the Mets to you know to to save a sinking ship. So I feel like with lower expectations for the year that he can kind of just be himself, and um, you know kind of just not be the savior that he was kind of brought up and expected to be. So I think Beatty had very much can be a bounce back guy and kind of establish himself as a everyday player, you know, does, again, he doesn't even have to be a top five hitter. He can just solidify the bottom third of the order and you have yourself a 24 year old, you know, left-handed guy with some pop. So I, right. I, think, I think there's a ton of upside with him. Yeah. I mean, he hit 16 home runs last year and just under 500 plate appearances. You know, if you see that number jump up to 28, like, how, is that you're going to be shocked? Right? Yeah. Like Mets fans, you're going to be shocked if Beatty has 28 home runs this year. I, I don't think I'm going to be shocked. It was his first year last year. The guy's 24 years old now. Right? So he's not like a, a scrub. He's, you know, some Mets fans get really pissed at his defense. His defense is not fantastic. I get it. Mm. But like he, he has some pop and he did bat 250 last year and hit 16 home runs in, in not an entire season. So there, there's some hope there with Beatty to do something. Uh, on the pitching front, let me ask you about Kodai Senga there, Drew. Mm-hmm. We already touched on Manai. We know Severino's kind of, we know his story a little bit here. Senga had a really solid season last year. And if you look at his ERA, you mm-hmm. might not be that impressed, but he had a really, really solid season. He was striking people out left and right. He had tons of great outings. He was clearly the best pitcher on the team last year, but now he's thrusted into being the guy. Last year, he had this little shell around him with Severino and Verlander and some of the other names. But now he's looked at as the number one. Is that something that you expect to go well here for the Mets? Oh, definitely. I mean, again, finished top three in the Cy Young voting uh, coming off a rookie year. And again, he's not, uh, you know, he's not like a young guy that's looking to establish himself. He played, you know, he was great in Japan for all those years. He's 31 years old. He's, you know, he had a great rookie season under his belt, close to 170 innings, a year under three. 200 strikeouts like that's that's a that's a front line pitcher that the Mets hit on and one of the very few positives from last year. So I continue to believe in Kodai Senga and I think he's going to be uh, that front of the rotation guy that the Mets will desperately need, uh, you know, this year. Be be that guy where you can feel actually one of the only few guys that you can feel at the beginning of the season that like, you know, when he steps on the mound, you have a chance to win that day. Yeah, and I actually, you know what? I had the wrong page up. I had 2024 projections from Fangraphs. <laughs> fan, Fangraphs? There we go. Uh, and it had him at a 3.6 ERA. I forgot that he was sub-3. He was 2.98, yeah, yeah, which is fantastic. I, I just had a brain fart there. But yeah, I mean, his stuff is so good. And if he gets any better, you're, you're looking at the true number one on yep. any team, yeah. let alone you know a team that's expected him to be the number one. Yeah. So. Uh, I think the the vibes are properly rated, perhaps, and I think you already touched on the bullpen. Is you you mentioned a few guys? Is there anyone in particular that you kind of want to shout out there that you think might you know win over Mets fans as a as a bullpen guy uh, this year? There's a couple of new names in there. Uh, there's new names here, but you know Brooks Raley was really solid. At, oh, he was you know, stud. He was great. I think you know I think you can really good with a, a nice one two combo of him and Diaz at the end of the game. You know Jake Diekman, uh 
had a really solid year for Tampa Bay last year. Jorge Lopez, um, you know, didn't have, I think he was a little bit uh, hurt last year um, pitching for Baltimore, but uh, previous years he's been a really solid high strikeout kind of guy. So um, I feel like you, again, they don't have, there's outside of Brooks Raley and Diaz, like there's not really a star in there, but there's a lot of solid. And I feel like you need, especially if you have a, uh, lackluster rotation that you at least have, you know, a solid guy that could come in in the fifth, sixth inning uh, every day to be able to get you out of jams and, you know, kind of pick up where the starter was leaving off. So, you know, you got to feel pretty good about the Mets bullpen, which, you know, years past, it was really, wasn't really the case. And now Shintaro Fujinama is a, a guy who, like, I don't know much about, frankly, but he's been popping up on like Mets Twitter type mm-hmm. stuff a little bit more a guy with some stuff a guy with some ugly numbers in 2023 but a guy yeah. with some stuff yeah. is that a guy who maybe could get it right and kind of figure it out this year a little bit yeah absolutely i mean he was pitching in oakland and uh you know he was much better when he came over uh to baltimore uh you know it's you know oakland being the absolute toxic dump dumpster fire that it was and you know he wasn't he wasn't great for baltimore but he was a lot better so i would expect him to not you know, have a seven year A like he did overall last year. <laughs> um, strikeout numbers are definitely there too. So, you know, I feel like he can give you some bulk innings, uh, you know, in the middle of there too. So, again, everyone, every, you know, Adovino, Rayleigh, Smith, Diekman, Fujinami, Lopez, and Bickford, those are all solid guys that you feel like, again, you know, they might have a bad day here or there, but they're not guys, you know, it wasn't a situation where some of the guys the Mets were throwing out there last year was just like, there's no chance that they can hold on to this lead or, um, <coughs> excuse me, or, um, you know, keep the game close. It wasn't right. happening last year. And you know what? There's a big elephant in the room here, Drew, that we have to talk about that I can't believe I almost forgot to bring it up because we talked about it before we started recording, so I kind of forgot that we didn't talk about it while we were recording. <laughs> Pete Alonzo has a contract situation. No. Pete Alonzo is on pace to be one of the best Mets of all time, and that's not hyperbole, Drew. That's real. So what do you think is the play here? David Stearns in as the button pusher for the Mets. Already mentioned how he sees Pete hitting free agency. Not that that means Pete's not going to be a Met for the long haul, but... Sees Pete hitting free agency. How do you read this situation, Drew? Do you think that it's crazy that he's not signed yet? Or do you think that they're making a play and kind of doing what they're supposed to be doing mm. to, to keep this thing moving in the right direction? Well, Pizza, he's a Boris guy, right? That's his Boris is his agent. So correct. Tip typically those when they get that close to free agency, especially if they're a top tier guy, Boris is going to take them to free agency. But if you look around the league, um, where where are the suitors for Pete Alonso? If you're thinking in big spending teams, the Yankees have Rizzo at least for another year. You have um, the Dodgers have Freddie Freeman. The the Braves have Matt Olson. Like there's you know there's not there's not too many landing spots, especially for Pete if he wants to say, oh, well, I'm gonna go play for the you know the Cincinnati Reds. Like what what are you what are you really doing? So. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Boris will take them to free agency and maybe, you know, get the bidding up there. But I, I fully expect him to 
be a lifelong lifelong Met uh, at the end of the day. He might go to the free agency. Boris will take definitely take him there. Um, but I don't think this will be a situation where even if the Mets are out of it in July, that they'll dangle him and trade him away and get prospects or anything like that. Because I, I think they know that he's been the key guy and he's kind of the 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 main cog to that lineup again. You take him, you take him out, and then you have a team that's desperate for power, even though they already are. Uh, you know, they're, yeah, uh, they're desperate with him. They'll be even more yeah. desperate without so him. So <laughs> they, they, the, it's a both of a mutual situation where you know they, he might test free agency, but I don't expect Alonso to be anything else but a New York Met from this year and until he's done playing baseball. That's all I wanted to hear, Drew, and that's why I, that's how I feel too. Yeah. I, I don't get the Mets fans who want to trade him. I don't get the Mets fans who don't see his value. I don't get Mets fans who try to crap on his first base ability. His first baseman ability has gotten a lot better. He's very, very serviceable there, if not better than that. So I just don't get it, man. This guy shows up. This guy hits home runs. He drives in a buck 20. And what again, what else do you want? If you're watching the Mets and you think he's the problem, that's not the problem. Last year, it was the pitching. It wasn't even the offense. And if it was the offense, it sure as hell wasn't because Pete Alonzo wasn't taking care of business. And that's really all I have to say about that. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. So vibe check for the New York Mets. 1 to 10, same question uh, as we did for the Yankees. They're over-unders at 82 and a half. Well, let's not hit that yet unless you have a lean. Uh, let me just get a vibe check 1 to 10. Uh, and again, I, I like the offense. I really don't like the starting pitching a lot less than the Yankees do. Um, again, it really depends if they, if they would have gotten JD Martinez, it'd probably be a little bit higher. I'd probably give them like a six, eight on the vibes. 6.8. 6.8. Nice. I oh, see so you threw me off there. Cause you went eight, five on the Yankees. I thought you were going to keep it to the point fives. Mm. And now you went six, eight. Mm. You gotta, you, gotta, you know, you can't just go point fives and up, you know, that's, 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 am, that's amateurish. That's an amateur score, right yeah. There. <laughs> you got a you got a full range, my friend. Full range. That's it. I, I would have said six five, but since you used the point eight, I'll I'll just agree with you and say six point eight. It's spring training. Vibes are always going to be at least decent, right? Mm-hmm. So six eight, I could even see a seven on that scale there. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're a seven one uh, at this point in time, uh, just being this early in spring training. But yeah, there's not no hope in no. Queens, and I think that's a thing that going into the off season. After last season, it felt like there was no hope, and that mm. is not the case. There is some sort of hope. There is a path for them to compete this year. Maybe not at the highest level, but for them to compete for a playoff spot. So we shall see yeah. how that and, goes. And I think that, you know, with Stearns in place, he has a plan. He has absolutely, you know, he's picked the right guys. I feel like a lot of his bullpen moves are going to work out because, and again, one thing he was able to do in Milwaukee is build a very good pitching staff. He's, he sees the guys. He can identify certain pitches and situations and be able to inform the their coaches on how to use the, you know, their bullpen guys effectively. And I think with, you know, Uncle Steve's checkbook that, you know, when there's a much better uh, free agent class next year that you fully expect the Mets to be involved, especially in Juan Soto, uh, if, you know, the Yankees don't lock him up – you, you, that's going to be the number one story of the of the offseason next year. Is it's, you know, is Juan Soto going to be a Met or is he going to be a Yankee? Um, so you know, I, mm. I fully I fully expect you know, the mm. Mets to be able to you know take this year, be able to self evaluate. Uh, you know, if they play themselves into a third wild card spot, that's great. But I fully expect them to then 
move forward into 2025, 2026 as, as the real contenders, uh, you know, take that next step forward in, in, you know, being contender in the national league. Any quick thoughts before we say goodbye on Carlos Mendoza, anything? I know he was with the Yankees for a bit. Like any, I don't know. Is there anything to say about a manager in baseball right now? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he seemed to be well liked as a, as a bench coach. Um, if you want to say that, you know, Aaron Boone taught him everything that he knows. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's good. Um, but I yeah, guess we'll, maybe not. I guess we'll see. All right. There we go. Any last words, Andrew Kalanya? No, let's go Yankees. Nothing on the new star Wars show that's coming out or anything like no, that. Nothing. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hyped about uh, Deadpool. I, that's like okay. the number one thing. That's the only Marvel thing that I'm like, super excited about uh, you know you it's know the only marvel thing right now so it's, you know, I mean, count it <laughs> exactly so i mean i haven't i haven't tuned into you know i missed loki season two i missed uh the marvels i missed uh whatever else was going on so secret invasion the marvels wasn't bad secret invasion sucked well it actually was good and then sucked mm. um loki season two is great so you should watch mm. that that's all i'll say yeah i have to that's remember what happened in loki season one i have to do, watch one of those uh recap videos yeah new rock stars bro they'll hook you up they'll get you right for the free plug for them not that they need it they're they're killing it out here but you can watch one thing catch everything you need to know before loki season two and then it's good it's really good that's all i gotta say okay all right drew this is great you know what i just thought this i'm gonna gonna speak through it on the pod this Mm. probably will make the cut should i put this out separate from the other thing um I mean, how long do we go right now? We went to yeah, well, 50 minutes. Yeah, we probably might have to do separate. I mean, because then you're going to, mm. well, then you're going to put out a pod like a hundred, an hour and 30, hour and 40. Mm. It's, I've done worse. Yeah. Done worse. All right, whatever. I'll figure it out. Yeah. All right, Andrew Kalanya, thank you so much, as always, for all your help, all your dedication to Subway Sports Talk. Always wishing you the best. And I uh, look forward to getting closer and closer to baseball season, man. It's exciting stuff. And go Rangers. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Cheers. See ya.